Good morning. I hope and pray you had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and that God just blessed you abundantly. We've been going through the whole issue of prayer in the last couple of weeks, and we will continue this week and next. We showed you a video last week, and we thought for those that weren't here, we want to show it again on our website, for those of you that are computer savvy. We have... Um, different videos that you can watch that have been shown here before about our, our young people. Anyways, we, 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 you can go on our website and you can take a look at um, videos that have been done here. There's uh, quite a few and um, would encourage you to look at them again. Um, and this particular video has everything to say about what I'd like to say about prayer. And so I thought it would be a good thing for you to watch it again. It's uh, Virginia speaking how she goes to the Lord in prayer. Would you please watch this video with me? The Lord says that the earth may quake and my people may quake, but I hold the pillars firm. And that's what prayer looks like to me. It's a safe haven. It's a place I can go and I know I know without a doubt there's going to bring calmness and peace at the end. This world is so ugly, but God is so big, and His angels are everywhere. I pray to a God who is capable and willing and who loves me and wants the best for me, so my prayer always is, Your will be done, Heavenly Father. And then it is. And then no matter what His will is, I take it. Sometimes I smile and I say, sometimes I'm okay, Lord. It's okay. I can live with this too because you see the bigger picture. I'm only in the here and now. I wake up in the morning and I thank God for a brand new day. And I ask God to lead me in that day. This is before I take the sheets off me and put my foot on the ground. I said, lead me this day, Heavenly Father, and don't let me miss an opportunity. But it's all during the day. I don't just think I'm going to set aside this. It's like you can't set aside God. It's he's if he tells you to do it now, it's now. And and I I humble myself before him because he's a God. So I, I often get on my knees. I have a hard time getting up, but I'll get down. <laughs> Heavenly Father, look down upon our church. Heavenly Father, Lord God, and renew our strength that we may soar with eagles, Heavenly Father, tirelessly, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name. Um, that's so beautiful to me. It is, um, it's basically everything we, we need to really know and understand about prayer. Um, she had made mention that God knows what's best, so it's easy for her to pray according to His will. She made mention that even when the answer is, she implied when the answer isn't exactly what she hoped it would be, she still gives thanks and smiles. It's, it's the very essence of what we are to be in prayer. It says in 1 Thessalonians that we are to rejoice always. And then it says, pray without ceasing in everything, it says. Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Look with me, please, at Acts chapter 2 again, and let's familiarize ourselves with um, this particular place in Scripture so that it becomes 
almost uh, first nature, not even second nature for us to, to, to think of these verses when we think about church. It says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, Then those who had received the word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. I've mentioned that to you over and over again. And key to the church, key to what the apostles and the, and the, and the disciples of our Lord wanted for those that, that fellowship together in church, was it says in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves. That's the issue. In this year that comes before you and me, what I would love for you and, and all of us to become are people who are continually devoting ourselves to the things of God. Now, we believe here at this church that there are not that many rules and regulations. We believe that we have more freedom than we even understand. The things that God has asked us to, to concentrate on as a body of believers were four in verse 42. The apostles' teachings, we talked about that. Unless you and I know the ground rules, unless we know what is it that God wants from us, and the only way we'll know is by understanding the Word of God. And so we are to be continually devoted to the teachings of the apostles. In other words, the things that Jesus Christ ordered them to teach and to pass along to the next generation. And it's come to now our laps, our responsibility. We're to do the same thing, to be continually devoted to the Word of God. Then it says we are to be continually devoted to fellowship. We made mention to you that the word fellowship isn't something just a social, isn't just having a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or a soft drink with one another and, and something to eat, but fellowship is really a partnership. It's a sharing with one another. We are to have fellowship within the body of Christ so that we can, we can in unity, use the gifts that God so wonderfully best blessed us with so as to... Encourage one another, as it says in Ephesians 4.12. And, and this I would love for you to get to know this verse by heart. It says that, that uh, oh, when I do that, now see, I put myself on pressure and, and, I'm, and I panic. It says we are to equip one another. That's the use of our gifts, equipping one another for the work of service. In other words, to do whatever it is that God's called us to do so that we might build up the body of Christ. That's the ultimate goal in your life and my life. We've been called here on this earth to glorify our Lord, to live for Him and to represent Him here on this earth. We are His ambassadors. And so one of our responsibilities in fellowship, in partnering with one another, in sharing the load with one another, is to build up the body of Christ. And that's done by equipping one another so that we can do the work of service that God's called us to. That's Ephesians 4.12. And so we are to not only understand the Word of God, we're not only to then have fellowship with one another, but we're also to have communion, breaking of bread. And I made mention to you that we do that because the whole idea of communion is to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. He said, when you drink of this cup, when you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. And the ultimate of that is when he gave him the, the cup of the wine, of the, which was, he said was my blood, he said this is a, a, a new covenant. And the new covenant was that their sins were forgiven. 
No longer, once he went to the cross and died for your sins and my sins, no longer are we to, um, to be overwhelmed by the guilt of our sin. He has taken that away from us. And I think the reason that is so important in this whole line of, of, of understanding the word of God and also having fellowship with one another is that we need to, to understand forgiveness because once we start doing what God's asked us to do, if we will follow steps one and two, we can rest assured that there will try to come Satan in the mix to try to bring division, to, to try to, to separate us, to have people get angry with other people. We've already seen it happen. It just happens. And, and, and sometimes you and I will hurt one another without really knowing it. I mean, it's just because we're human beings. My wife every once in a while will get upset with me. Oh, man, I'm living with you. I said, you think it's tough on you? I said, I've got to be with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm wearing myself out. It's, no, it's not a picnic being me. We're human beings. We fall short of the glory of God. That's why there had to be a Savior. So we really desperately need communion. We desperately need to forgive ourselves and others so that we won't have division within the body of Christ. God forbid. God forbid. Then comes prayer. We are to be continually devoted to prayer because ultimately prayer is what gives you and me the power to, well, it says in, in, in um, Psalms 119, verse 18, open up my eyes, dear Lord, so that I might behold wonderful things from your law. And I was told by a gentleman, I told you about him, he was in his 90s who memorized a lot of the Bible. And he said, John, don't ever go to study the Bible without praying to God that he would open your eyes so that you might understand what you're studying. And so prayer is is critical to understanding what we are learning. Prayer is critical for you and me to get involved with what is your spiritual gift. Last night, a dear lady walked to me It was really a precious moment for me in this church. And she says, I am confused. And I said, please tell me what you mean. And she said, well, you made mention that that you knew a while ago what your gift is. And you knew what you were supposed to do for the Lord. And I did make that very brash statement, if you heard me. I did say that I know the race that has been laid out before me. I'm comfortable knowing that if I were to die tomorrow or tonight, that I have finished the course. I I know that I'm running on the right track right at this moment and the race that I'm supposed to be running in. And she said, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And I said, that's that's fine. It took me a long time to realize what I was supposed to do in this, 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 uh, this whole experience called Christianity and my walk with the Lord. And I said to her, pray. Pray and ask God. Ask Him often, what do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to be? Don't stop asking Him if, until you hear His answer. And I promised her something that I promised to you. You will hear His answer. 
It might take a week. It might take a month. It might take a year. It might take years, plural. But don't stop asking. Don't stop praying. Because God wants you to be on the right course. And He will allow you to know. And so prayer gives us the power to do what we are to do within the body of Christ so that we can know the Word of God, so that we can have true fellowship with one another, so that we can understand communion and really deal with it in a, in a correct fashion. And so let's take a look at prayer this morning and let's, um, let's see what the Lord has to say to you concerning what is true prayer. What I think we're going to find out is a lot what Virginia said. It's, a, it's a just a humbling ourselves before the Lord. When Jesus Christ gave the example to the apostles, when they came to him, and they said in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? In Luke chapter 6, they said, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples? And so Jesus said, yes, pray in this way. And when he gave the example, what I want you to know without a doubt is it wasn't a prayer that you and I were to memorize and just repeat over and over again. What is commonly called the Lord's Prayer could really be called the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ's prayer. And what he gave us was an outline. I would encourage you and me to memorize the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer. I would encourage you to that because it can bring you to how you are to go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus said, Our Father. He made it very, very generic. He didn't say, My Father, you know. Our Father. Because this faith that we have, it's to be done collectively by all of us. We all are a part. It's our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And in saying that, Jesus was trying to give you and me an idea. When you come to God, He is our Father. He is in heaven, and His name is hallowed. It is to be respected. And so you come to Him thanking Him for who He is. We'll go through all of this. And then you are to then set aside and ask for whatever needs you have. Let's pray. Father, please, as we pray each week, would you open up our eyes? Would you open up our hearts and our minds that we might behold the most wonderful privileges of all time? And that is to understand and to know your word. Father, instead of a speaker just saying words, would you please 
communicate with us this morning individually. Let each of us hear from you in a fashion, Father, that we would know that you are speaking to our hearts today about prayer or about whatever it is that is your concern for us. I don't want to limit you, Father. You'll speak to each of us in a different way, just as you did to that woman last night who, who of all the things she heard was that she wanted to know her course. How would she know where to go and how to run this endurance race that's set before her? So, Father, I pray that you would allow her to know that she would come to you in prayer and that you would, uh, Father, hear her prayer and answer it. So bless us right now. Would you, Father, move me aside? Allow us to uh, be very serious about a very serious uh, topic, and that's praying so that we might understand what it means to really be a, a church that prays for not only as as uh, as Virginia prayed for us as a body of believers, but so that we could pray for each other, and we can pray for our family, our loved ones, our own selves. Bless us, Father. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, let's very get serious about prayer. Prayer begins and ends not with your needs but to praise and to glorify God. Look at John. If you, if you don't mind bouncing around in your Bible a little bit with me, look at John chapter 14 and verse 13. If, uh, if you don't feel like turning there, it's okay. It's one simple verse. I'll read it to you. When I say it to you, you'll probably uh, remember it. Prayer begins and ends, folks, not with your needs, but with the glory of God. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? He says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Your prayers, my prayers, our prayers should be concerned with, number one, who is God? Honor Him. What does He want? His will be done, not yours necessarily. Why are you asking for what you're asking for? How, if he answers your prayer, how can he be glorified through what he gives you? How he answers it. Look with me at a a book you probably haven't looked for at a while. Look at Jonah in chapter 1. Now, Jonah is real near the New Testament. So if you go to... If you're in the book of Matthew, which I'm going to ask you to be in in a moment, at Matthew chapter 6, turn to the left, and Jonah is not too far to the left. While you're finding Jonah, listen. To not make yours and my prayers centered upon glorifying God, not to be concerned with His kingdom, not to be concerned with the glory of His name, but rather... Our agenda, the fulfillment of our desires, is the wrong way to go to God. Jonah is a great example. In a time of great danger to himself, um, in a situation that if you try to place yourself in his place, I can't even imagine. Can't even be imagined. 
that I'm swallowed by this great fish and I am now in the belly of a fish. And Jonah, in the midst of that, think about it for a moment, did not primarily ask God to take him out of his troubles. Instead, Jonah gave glory to God. Watch. Look at chapter 1, just the end of it, verse verse 17, the last verse, because primarily we want to look at verse 2 and 3. In verse 17 of chapter 1, it said, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. I want you to note there, it wasn't an accident. God appointed this fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of that fish for three days and three nights. Think about it. Think about it. Then it says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. I would guess, I would hope so. And he said, here's what he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol and he heard my voice. Jonah says, you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. Suddenly, but you can see, Jonah is crediting God with what took place. He is saying, you have created the current, this sea, your breakers, your Your universe, your creation has engulfed me. So, he says in verse 4, So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. In his trial, Jonah is looking to God in his holy temple. By now... If it was my prayer, you would have said, you would have heard, what the heck's going on? Get me out of here. No, Jonah says, nevertheless, in spite of where I am, expelled from your sight, I'm going to look again to your holy temple. He says in verse 5, water encompassed me to the point of death. The great gulf engulfed, no, the great deep engulfed me. Weeds weeds were wrapped around my head. It's very, very vivid. I descended to the roots of the mountains of the earth with its bar, and, and its bar was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayers came to you and to your holy temple. We're going to read later on in the book of Hebrews, we are told because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, we can confidently and boldly go before the very throne room of God Almighty and know that he'll hear our prayers. So Jonah says that he went into his holy temple. His prayers went right into the very throne room of God. In verse 8 he says, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. I mean, where is that coming from? What does that have to do with him being in the midst of uh, of a great fish? 
But, now watch, watch, watch closely. But, Jonah says, I'm going to sacrifice to you. I ask you, what in the world could Jonah sacrifice to appease God at this moment? Think for a moment with me. With the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed, I will pay. What? What can Jonah pay to appease God to get him out of this great fish? What could he sacrifice? What could he pay? Could his sacrifice and payment be his life? He says, what could, what, that which I have vowed I will pay. He says, salvation is from the Lord. It appears to me that because Jonah knew where his salvation came from, he was willing to place his faith and his trust in the Lord God Almighty at this time, no matter the outcome, even if it be his death, his salvation is in the Lord. Then it says in verse 10, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited. It spit Jonah up onto the dry land. What we see is that God answered Jonah's prayer because of God's faithfulness, not Jonah's. And I want you to get this because it is critical. God gave Jonah his life again for a reason. When he answers your prayers, it is for his purpose, not yours. How do I know? Verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise. I want you to go to Nineveh, the great city, Jonah, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Just like everything else that God does in your life and in my life, all that we understand and know about Him, He's already given the orders. He tells Jonah, here's what I want you to do. This is why the fish spit you up on the dry land. I want you to go to Nineveh and tell the people what I'm going to tell you to tell them. That was why Jonah, that's why God saved Jonah's life. And in the midst of Jonah's prayers, in the midst of his prayers, listen, folks, it wasn't save me, save me, get me out of here, get me out of here. Jonah gave praise and honor to God. He says, I will pay the vow, the sacrifice. His sacrifice was his life. He was willing to give himself up, if so be it. God had that fish spit him up on the land and then said, now this is what I want you to do with this life that I've given back to you. It appears to me that God saved Jonah not for Jonah's good pleasure. God saved Jonah so God could use Jonah in the city of Nineveh for the salvation of these dear people. And as you read the story, if you read it further, everyone came to believe in the city. And Jonah got angry. Knew He said, I knew you were going to save these people. They're, they're terrible people. Jonah is a real piece of work. Jonah's a, a lot like a lot of us. 
God used Jonah in spite of himself. God uses you and me in spite of ourselves. A 19th century author and pastor, uh, E.M. Bounds, he was well known for his writing on prayer. And the reason I bring him up is only this. What he has to say is critical. He says, your prayers that you offer to God are always to honor God and to dishonor your own self. Your prayers are to honor God and to dishonor your own self. In other words, it's not so that you can get what you want when you want it so that you might be whatever it is that you're asking for. No, your prayers, our prayers, whatever we offer to God is to honor Him. He must increase and we must decrease. You see, that's not taught. That's not taught in churches. I, 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 I listened... I have no right to judge anyone, and I'm not. But I listened to uh, 60 Minutes. This guy, Joel Osteen, has a church, one of the largest churches in the United States of America. That man doesn't know the Word of God. And he proved it. He proved it by what he said to the interviewer. And he preaches that, that there's wealth and good things from the Lord for all of you. That's a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God never promised you prosperity. God promised you by faith eternal life. And he promised you that what you go through here on this earth is to be done to glorify his name. And he's never promised you whether it was going to be a smooth road or a rocky road. He's never promised you. All he's promised you and me is that He will be with us, He will always be with us, and He will, when we die, allow us to be with Him forever and ever in a place that is called heaven, the presence of an almighty God. And so prayers that you offer are to honor Him and to dishonor your own self. What Jesus taught the disciples, you and me, about prayer is just that. We are to honor the Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, your will, your kingdom, all that you are is to be done in and through me here on this earth as it is in heaven. That's your call. That's my call. That's our call as a church to be. That's our prayer. That we are to honor our Father and dishonor our own selves. The scribes, back to Matthew chapter 6, the scribes and the Pharisees who the disciples were watching never understood that premise, that truth. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus was speaking In verse 1, beware, he says, of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. If you give alms, in other words, if you do a deed of kindness, don't do it so as to be noticed. Verse 5, 
when you pray, in verses 1 through 4, he's talking about when you do kindness. Now he says, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue, on the streets, and in order to be seen by people. I say to you, they, they have the reward right then and there in full. You want to be praised by people? Okay, you'll get praised by them, but not by God. Look, it's much better to be praised by God than people. That should be your goal and my goal. But he says in verse 6, when you pray, you go into your inner room. When you shut your door, you pray to the Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret is going to repay you. And when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition, which takes away from just saying over and over again, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that kingdom come. You know, you can say that sometimes without even thinking. You can say that while you're wondering, What am I going to eat for lunch? And, and what am I supposed to do tomorrow? You could be saying that prayer and be thinking about myriads of different things. But when you pray to God and you pray from your heart and you speak to Him as you would a dear friend, you'll be more inclined to know what you're saying and why you're saying whatever it is that you're saying unto the Lord. And your Father who sees in secret is going to repay you. Don't do meaningless repetition because they think they're going to be heard, it says in verse 7, by their many words. He says, verse 8, don't be like them. Because, he says, your Father knows what you need before you ask. He already knows what you and I need. He already knows what it is that we, we need to make it through this life that we're living so as to honor Him. What perhaps is not known is all that we need so that we can honor ourselves. I saw who was one of the, one of the great athletes of our day, in my opinion, I saw him on that same program called 60 Minutes that I saw Joel Osteen. His name happens to be Tom Brady. He's a quarterback with a, with a team from New England. It's a professional football team. Most of you probably wouldn't know. None, nonetheless, oh, you do. Well, do or don't. Nonetheless, he is really good. He's won three Super Bowls, and, and he's had great, great success. And this year he's had a year like... Very few athletes have ever had, or any business. He has had one of, those, one of those lifetime years. And he said to the reporter asking him, he says, I don't understand it, but I, always, I feel like I, it's not enough. I want more. And I thought, my gosh, of course you do. Your, your heart's empty. You need it filled with Jesus Christ. Once he comes into your life, then you understand fulfillment. You understand what it means to be abundantly blessed by God. When you sense that you are doing what God has called you to do in your life, this day you have a purpose that goes beyond anything you could ever dream or hope for. And then you know what you're doing. You'll know where you're going. You'll have a purpose in your life and you won't need more because God will fill you with His blessings. God already knows what you need. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they never understood this truth. And I fear, not here, because I'm hoping you're hearing me, but I think many people today that call themselves Christians, 
fall into this trap of asking God so that they might get more, have more. When as this young man said to this reporter, I don't know where enough is. I, I just think there's more out there for me somewhere. The Bible teaches this. God is sovereign. That means He rules over all. The Bible teaches you and I are to be His bond servants. That means we are to do as He wishes. And many so-called pastors today teach that you and I can demand things from God through our prayers. Our health, wealth, welfare, you name it. And that's unbiblical teaching. That goes against the very Word of God. That's no reason for you and me to pray. God already knows what you need. What God wants to hear from you and from me is our honoring Him, our praising His most holy and righteous name. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Would Your kingdom come would your will be done on earth here in and through us as it is in heaven be his representative right now here on this earth so when they ask jesus how do we pray he says pray in this way and in less than 70 words if you were to count somebody did i didn't verses 9 through 13 you're going to find a masterpiece in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13 is a masterpiece to examine the infinite mind of God. Jesus had compressed every conceivable element that is needed in prayer into a simple and brief form that even a child can understand. Look with me, please, at Matthew chapter 6 and turn ahead to Luke chapter 11. Just for a moment. If you were to think that we have a prayer that we are to, say, to, to repeat over and over again, I want you to see how foolish that is. In Luke chapter 11, cross-reference with Matthew chapter 6, in Luke chapter 11, it says in verse 1, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, Okay, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not to temptation. Is that the same words? It's not. It's not, a, it's not a, a prayer that is to be over and over again. What it is is a, a pattern. What it is is a, a, an idea, a form that you and I ought to know when we go to God, when we pray in this way. We're to say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then if you want to ask for anything, just ask for this day your daily bread. And then ask for the forgiveness of your sins and also forgive others. And then ask not to be led into temptation. That should be the pattern that you and I pray for. There is a definite difference between Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, which both are supposedly called the Lord's Prayer. 
But all they are is a pattern, is a thought, is an outline for prayer. He did not mean to pray with these exact words. His intention, our Lord's intention, was to give you and me a pattern, a structure, to, bla- to base our prayer life upon. Especially since he just warned us in, in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, don't use meaningless words and don't say a lot thinking that a lot of words is going to impress me. No, honor me. Have a sincere heart. Come to me with whatever your prayers are. Now, it doesn't mean, let me say this quickly, please hear me. It doesn't mean that you and I should memorize the Lord's prayer or our, our, our disciples' prayer, our Father who art in heaven, because to memorize it, you can then meditate upon its truths and you can formulate your own thoughts of how you might want to go to the Father and pray. This prayer, Matthew 6, Luke 11, is, is a model, it's an example that you and I can use to take direction to our praise, our adoration, our love of our God who is in heaven. It's not a substitute for our own words. How would you feel if every day your son or your daughter called you and said the same exact thing and then just hung up? Oh, you want to hear about their lives. You want to how is everything going? What's going on? Talk to one another. So God wants to hear from you and me. Now let's close with Hebrews chapter 10. Please. It's just to the right of Luke. In fact, Hebrews is kind of near the end of the New Testament. You go to the book of Revelation, turn to the left. You'll go past uh, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter. And then you'll see James and then Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. I mentioned this already at the beginning. I want to close with this because it is one of the great privileges that you and I have. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23, we are told by the writer of the book of Hebrews, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Stop for a second. Remember I said Jonah. Jonah knew that he could go into the holy temple of God. In the Old Testament... They could not go into the holy temple. They could only go one time a year. And that was just the high priest. And he had bells on his robe and they tied a rope to his leg. You know why? Because if he was in sin and God struck him dead in there and they didn't hear the bells for a while, they could at least drag him out. But nobody was going to go in. But because of Jesus Christ, you and I have the privilege of going into the very throne room of God Therefore, verse 19, since we have confidence, today we have the confidence to enter into the holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's by a new and living way, which Jesus inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh. In other words, his dying on the cross and his raising himself from the dead enabled you and me, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, to enter with confidence into God's presence and ask him, anything we might want to ask him for. It says in verse 21, we have a great priest, that's Jesus, over the house of God. Therefore, it says in verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart, sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, hold 
fast, he says in verse 23, the confession of your hope without wavering because he, he, he who promised is faithful. That's the deal in your prayers. My prayers, our prayers. We go to him because he is the one who can answer it and the only one. We go to him because he is faithful. We are not. We go to him, as Virginia mentioned in the video, because he sees the big picture. That's why Jesus Christ says, Father, let this cup pass away from me. Remember? But then he said what? That's right. That's right. Because it was the big picture. And God sees the big picture. And so whatever it is that you're going through, and some of you are going through really difficulties, I know. I can't wipe that away. And your prayers may not stop it. All I can say is that whatever it is that you're going through, let him know. And fall in line with his will. Too many people do this, churches especially. We go off in this direction. We say, here's what we want to be as a church. And we go off in this direction here. And we go and look at God and we say, uh, come over here and bless us, please. Let's go. Come on. This is where we're going. Bless us. You and I should never do that. Not as a church, not as a person. What we should do is go to God in prayer and see what is he doing in and through your life and see where God is moving and you and I are to move our lives instead of asking God to come and bless us, we're to come to him and be blessed. The moment you and I get into the will of God, that's where the blessings lie. And you will not have to ask for blessings. You will receive them automatically when you follow the will of God. Now, some of you are going through deeper waters than others. Me, for included. included. Not as, I'm not going as much as some of you. And I know sometimes it's just words. It's easy to say. I told someone the other day, just really struggling with a very bad, bad, bad cancer. And I said, don't you wish that it could be like in the New Testament when Peter could walk in here or Paul could walk in here and lay his hands on you and you'd be healed. I wish that. But that's not happening today. Today we go through difficulties. And when we get to heaven, we'll be able to ask the Lord why. My suggestion is to offer up prayers to him so that you already know why. And no one can convince you otherwise. Hmm. I should listen to my own prayers. I should listen to my own word. That was, I needed that one. Let's pray. Father, our Father, we want to praise your holy and righteous name. We want to praise you, Father, because there's no one like you. No one. No one like you, Father. You've created us. You've You've made each of us, and, and none of us have been a mistake. You know what's going on. You've not lost control. And so, Father, would you conform our will into yours? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done here just as it is in heaven?
allow us to fulfill whatever it is that you have for us? Would you give us today whatever it is that we need? And would you, Father, please not lead us into any place that might get us into trouble? And if there is someone that has something against us, would you help, uh, Father, for us to seek forgiveness and forgive them as well? And Father, would we be a blessing to you today? May our prayers be pleasing to you. And Father, may your will be done in and through each of our lives. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Boy, I love you guys. It's hard to put into words. This is really a fun place to be. Do you, do you realize today, of all the places we could have been, of all the places in the earth we could have done, today we praise the, the Lord. Man, what a privilege. What a privilege. Go in peace. Have a great day. I'll see you next week, okay? Bye-bye. Oh, I'll see you next year. That's it. That's right. It's going to be a new year.